Welcome to Poetry Challenges with David Morley, Director of the Warwick Writing Programme. This is the last podcast in the series called Poetry Challenges. It's called Poetry's Reasons. It's about how and why we write poems. In the history of literature, prose is a teenager and fiction a child. Poetry, like drama, is ancient, but just as sprightly. As you've heard, it's also primal. That does not make the genre any more virtuous, but it does not make it any less trivial, either. Poetry is as pervasive as it is marginal. Poetry was, and is, a part of speech. This offers the genre a unique sense of literary currency, and a quite different set of technical demands especially in terms of the sounds and rhythms of language and its rich and various formal possibilities. Now, if you possess a vocation, then you follow that calling, but if you do not, there are other significant incentives for writing poems. First, we live in a world obsessed with the visual and language can be mistreated and misappropriated in ways that may be ultimately damaging to our world. Poetry will help you listen for language's music and reintroduce you to the pleasures of taking pains with it. Second, you might choose poetry as the first of your literary apprenticeships. It hones skill with language, especially precision, phrasing and image, and develops your mind so you find it easier to shift sideways into less condensed genres. As Charles Baudelaire said, always be a poet, even in prose you will eventually grow accustomed to feeling fraught with language, and this quality makes poets a very adaptable species of writer. Many good novelists were, or are, practising poets. Third, and significantly, poetry's pennilessness allows it to float free of the book-buying marketplace. This creates open spaces for latitude, playfulness, and for acts of fabulously invisible integrity. Let's hold a, a light over that final reason. Most poets need not write with one eye on a fickle audience and the other on the publisher's balance sheet. You can take longer to achieve the poems you need to write. Poetry is relatively clean in that sense. You, you do not have to fake it in writing, even if what you write is from behind a mask or takes a dozen voices. Indeed, it's probably impossible to fake the real thing. As Marianne Moore wrote in her poem, Poetry, I, too, dislike it. There are things that are important beyond all this fiddle. Reading it, however, with a perfect contempt for it, one discovers in it, after all, a place for the genuine. The poet Richard Hugo once said that in poetry some important part of the self is revealed. Elizabeth Jennings pushed this further, claiming, if lack of compassion, meanness of spirit, envy or cowardice are present in the poet's nature, they will be evident in his verse. You cannot fake anything if you are trying to write serious poetry. Now I'm less certain about this, since poetry is also, as Wallace Stevens would have it, a kind of supreme fiction. 
And he also said that money was a kind of poetry. Yet, if this quality of creative conduct attracts you as a reader, then poetry may possibly suit you as a writer, simply because it will suit your character. However, do not get the impression that the pursuit of poems is purely a solemn or stern concern. You can have a lot of serious fun trying out poems, and it costs nothing but reading, practice, and experiments. You are given permission to fail again and fail better without imperiling the livelihoods of others. Obviously, most poets do something else than write poems to get by. Sure, vocation is important to many professions, and the impulse to write and the desire to be a writer are not the same thing. Given poetry's nature, that calling becomes magnified. You really must be driven about poetry to stick with it, so long as you feel that making poems is its own reward. Even performance and slam poets serve long apprenticeships. Theirs is a hard industry, and only small minorities of poets visibly succeed. Now it's your turn. Here is our final poetry challenge. It has been said that poems are adaptations of your own experience. These two small exercises attempt to remind the writer how individual and strange is our relationship with words and language, and how a writer's personal reading, listening and writing are intimately linked within any poem. So here we go. Think of a vivid childhood experience. Make a list of things you remember and adapt this list into a short poem. Then attempt to wipe your mind of any experience of poetry or writing and write a recollection of a childhood experience of language or reading. Draft a poem that introduces this experience of language and try to write it in such a way that it mimics the experience as exactly as possible. And finally, try to bring these two poems together to make one poem. Now, I just want to thank you for listening and to wish you luck with your poems. I'm going to finish the series with a poem I've recently written, but also with an idea. This poem is written in four stanzas and uses only one single unwinding sentence. So if you want to use this poem as a poetry challenge, try writing a poem of at least 150 words in four stanzas using only one sentence. The poem is called You Were Broken. The amazed massing shade for the glacial valley made from a single araucaria that smashed its way by micrometers of birth push under five centuries of dusks of carbon dioxide and rainfall while a volcanic rocks made landfall against its unrolled harbouring roots and the roots tuck the rocks in their arms and place them magically like stone children about itself as it unfolded its fabulous tail.
of the wood heart mourned to flint by slow labour and loneliness, by what it could not reach, yet see at distance, and of the sound of that sea, and of the cruel brightness of butterflies and grasses, foreknowledge of their brevity, of a herd stream overhearing prints of otters on its plain stones, gold wagtails sprang over the gravel and shallows of courtship, of orange blames of gore wasps, honey fungus, the watch turning of tree creepers, of blights of summer lightning, of fire damage, and that dark year's mark worn secretly, a ring forged inside a ring. Then the winter's coronation closing in a swaying crown of red wings, cones, drab diagonals of pinefall, the lead winds hardening. And while the stone children wept with rain, the great tree sheltered them.